0: Sometimes you just don't have the energy to prep for your game. That's why there's Weird Dungeon, W Y R D, an OSR style dungeon crawler from Happy Jack Games. That's J A K. Packed with these 36 pages, our 11 D66 lists full of level names, factions, magic items, and more. Back, Weird Dungeon on Kickstarter today at bit.ly backslash weird dungeon. That's W Y R D dungeon.
1: Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host Max Moon, joined by my co-hosts Light, the Lightfinger Thief, and Logar the Barbarian.
0: Hey, how's everyone doing? Hello, I am Logar the Barbarian. I want to talk about the occult. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: the occult. <laughs>
0: oh, oh no. <laughs> Well, I remember the fear. I, I, you know, born in the late '70s. I was, uh, I was raised through the uh... satanic panic. Yeah, and we were all afraid of that. <laughs> we were all afraid of playing D and D because you know we might be uh, considered satanists and crawling in tunnels and summoning demons in our free time. Well, Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, let's talk about let's talk about Tom Hanks for a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Tom Hanks played Dungeons and Dragons once, didn't he? He had a bad time.
1: (laughs) I will admit that I love watching that movie, even though it is horrible. It is terribly problematic representation of like mental health issues. It is awful, but I will always love it. It holds a soft spot in my heart, mazes and monsters. Yep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the funny thing about that movie that I've always noticed. It it seems to be a very anti-D&D movie. From the time when all that um what the satanic panic was going on, but everybody that plays D D seems to have this weird fondness for the you know, <laughs> thing. <laughs> well, that's because we were on the other side of the table. We were on the side of the Christian parents freaking out, not understanding what D is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's before he was getting it on with a volleyball or something like that. I'll spit up my copy. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the occult in game because in the 80s there was a when we got the second edition they dropped off things like demons and stuff like that and a lot of those demons that we have are very like like Orcus for example. Orcus was a god but highly undefined very little remains known about what Orcus was. He's supposed to be big and hairy very much the Orcus we get in Dungeons and Dragons is not the historical Orcus I'm not a religious person. I'll put that there <laughs> But I find religions fascinating, especially as a more of a social scientist and looking at them. And as a gamer, I look at some of the occultic material and stuff like that, and I think, wow, this is cool. I could really use this in game. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff there, and I have used some in game. And I think you have as well, Max. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge part of the stuff that I make. Pretty much everything has some occult influence, if not very directly occult oriented and in my own gaming, I love pulling occult content into games. Um a big thing for me, a big reason for that is because so much like you know how when like fantasy tropes keep getting like oh done over and over and losing a little bit every time and becoming this like bland archetype where like you can have a whole book of spells, but they're all just like I'm just gonna blast you. And it's like a <laughs> color blast with a little different effect but it's all just blasting and one of the things i love about pulling in from occult stuff is that we have in this like long lost history of like humanity these ideas of magic and like that's not it's not blasting usually there might there's some little bits of blasting here and there but like magic is a very different thing and i think bringing in some of those elements to um remind us that there is this like beautiful power. There's just so many ideas have been lost by rehashing the same thing over and over realism that like causes you to kind of like question a minute, wait a minute. It, it's helpful for that immersion too.
0: Well, with When it comes to things like lore and stuff in our books, I'm going to, I, I, one thing I'm noticing what you're saying. And then I think I might want to add is like, like with last year, I started looking a lot of at fairies and I was at a friend's house and they had all these books about, uh, more historical books of fairy lore, fae lore, elf lore, cobalt lore. And I started looking at some of those stories. I, I went on to eBay at his house, because this is one of the things I do. If I come into your house, I'm going to look at your goddamn books <laughs> and I'm going to probably end up on eBay trying to see if this is a book, see there's a $3 copy of something I see on your shelf that I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at that. And I started reading into some of the lore. Now, Yeats, Ye- is it Yeats? Yeats? How do you pronounce it? Yeats, yeah. Yeats. Yeah. Yates was uh, a part of Golden Dawn and he wrote some stuff on on fairy lore and things like that. And as I was reading these and looking at things like elves and all these common things that I see in the game, I'm reading these older tales and they're very different than what we've built up as a larger D&D lore within our current communities, how we understand it and how we play it. And I felt that there was a lot lost there, especially as somebody who was looking at these, like wanting to do a little more of the game than just run up to a baddie and stab it. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. I grew up in like rural South and my grandparents lived like even more like remote, like out in the woods. And there with that, there was like this mystery and like, um, but also like some handed down fairy stories that I didn't really understand at the time where like where they were getting them or even that they were tossing them back at me you know like i would be like i'm gonna go out and like go around the woods and they'd be like watch out for apple man it, the little guy who lives in the apple trees <laughs> and stuff like that it's like oh that this idea of like i don't know they they even like decorated a tree for me around like christmas time and then out in the woods just like decorate with natural materials and i'm like out wandering around and they're like just present like helped guide me to find it without telling me. And they're like, Oh, the fairies must've decorated this for you.
0: (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot of fun there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The fairy stories are interesting too, because like elves and dwarves and like all these things are like fairies and goblins and imps and like all demons. Like they're all fairies in like, as we look back And the way that we've, like, evolved our, like, cultural understanding of fairies has gotten so bland. And there is that hint of, like, we know, like, the fae is dangerous and wild, but I think sometimes we also miss that, like, sometimes the fae is dangerous and wild, but sometimes it's also just your weird uncle who lives in the woods and refuses to wear shoes. I don't know. It's just like. I I don't know. For me, it represents a lot of the resistance to like the civil civilizing force of like colonialism and religion and all that.
0: No, that's, that is interesting. So do you see much difference between like say folklore versus the occult then, or is it one and the same?
1: Yeah, I, yes, uh, there's a lot of difference, but also there's that part where so much is lost and rebuilt. And so like, when we're looking at like folk magic in witchcraft, a lot of that is like neo-paganism. Like, the re- revival like um from like uh gardener and a lot of that was actually informed by a cult things like the golden dawn so you see this like reintroduction of like using a metal dagger in folk magic witchcraft which probably wouldn't have been done because people are really resistant to the idea of using iron in their folk magic so i like Pre- so, yeah, there's stuff like that where it's it's all kind of blended. I know that people sometimes uh, have more distinctions, but for, like, ritual magic versus, like, folk magic, for me, I I do draw some distinctions where I'm, like, more playing with nature and things like that versus, like, mapping out sigils for summoning a demon
0: or something, right? So. <laughs> right, so it could be, like, you know, a druid versus a necromancer versus, you know, a rune engraver or something else of the sort. Yeah. Now I've got a question. I don't know if anyone can answer. There's there is a style of old Appalachian folk magic, and I know there's a name for it. It was I'm trying to recall what it was called, but a lot of the healers and stuff like that that was used. There was things like that that was involved in that. Is anybody familiar with what I'm talking about, or have I just? It was called something like. Uh, I think like, you need to go ask Kate that I, one. <laughs> I do. I do. I, you no, know, I've used I've used occultic literature and stuff in my game, but on a very surface level. Like, I've taken some of the uh, – I'm going to pull out a book here and talk about The Golden Dawn by Israel – is it reg I don't know how to pronounce his name. R-E-G-A-R-D-I-E, Regardie?
1: I will say that I often – I'm going to get all sorts of pronunciations wrong, so I always say <laughs> Regardi, but I have no idea how it's actually pronounced, so –
0: And one of the things that I took the most from reading through that, and what he just done is at that point in time, the golden dawn was very secretive about what they had. And then he puts out all their, their, like a Bible for the golden dawn of different rituals, different beliefs, different meditations, different forms of magic. And what I took from there was probably more than anything was, was aesthetic like i took dungeon rooms i took i took sigils and, and patterns and drew them into my dungeons and i played with them in the game in an aesthetic not so meaningful way at the end of the day and i think that's maybe a distinction to make that perhaps there's a way that this stuff can be used just as wrapping paper as as banal coding to present things in a fu- in a fun interesting way and then there's probably another way to approach it as well i think
1: you know one of the way i actually use it in game like for me i find a lot of meaning and value in it but i will say that like what i'm really doing here is like i think it's like that wrapping paper you're talking about right like i pull a little excerpt from the book of lies or like a poem from alistair crowley and that's like an in-game like, they, they find in this, like, stuffed into this alcove a little, like, um, piece of paper and unwrap it. And then I'm just, like, pulling that book out and reading that little chapter to them. And they're like, what the hell? And sometimes I might be like, and I created a map based off of, like, the content of this that they can find. But it's just it's another way, too, to, like, it doesn't read, like, gaming material, but it fits in so well.
0: Yeah, and it... it... All kinds of interesting books. One that you're talking about is The Book of Lies. I'd like to know a little bit more about The Book of Lies. I've had it. I, I have not read it. I have attempted to read through The Book of Lies. But it is, it's a weird mm-hmm. book. Can you explain The Book of Lies? <laughs> I, no,
1: I can't. But I can say the, well, what I enjoy about it. And the reason I say I can't, I, like, one of the things I adore about The Book of Lies, I don't know, it reminds me often of like Zen Cohen's, where you're like, waking up from the contradictions and stuff and Mm -hmm. um there is it is so ridiculously layered it just is so overwhelming and weird Mm -hmm. and I think that's beautiful and I keep unpacking more stuff as I've been working on this uh setting material for Morkborg that's all based on the book of lies it's called the abyss of hallucinations um I've done a lot of work to try to like get my head around like the meaningful concepts and stuff but at the same time i think it's really important to i mean like i i don't want i don't know uh it's hard for me to talk about this part without saying too ridiculous but i am pretty ridiculous so I, let's, um, the
0: ridiculous is okay let's go for it
1: <laughs> i love the sort of like rejection of rationalism and the like um it is a really i don't i don't know i think understanding is far overrated And I think there's a beauty to just like experiencing it and playing with it and being wrong about how you're interpreting it or not being wrong. It doesn't necessarily, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that like understanding, I don't know, to quote the book of lies, consciousness is a disease. um, And. So, like, I think reading it, playing with it is the most important part.
0: So, I, I appreciate that. That's that's interesting to me. So, I've got uh, the things that I have pulled up and the things that I've looked at the most. Uh, there's a few things that I've looked at. And one of the books that I've looked at is that there's has the, got the Book of Forbidden Knowledge was one. And then the grimo- Grimoire of Pope Honoris. And those I've just pulled things like demon names and talismans and, and images from. I've also pulled up quite a bit from, like, Golden Dawn stuff when it comes to, like I said before, Dun dungeons and things like that. If I was interested in really spicing up and getting interesting with my game in some kind of occult type way and looking at that, how would you suggest folks approach doing that and maybe some suggestions of what they where they might want to look at for maybe some beginner books to start playing around with reading through and checking things out.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So first off, all this stuff is public domain. I mean, it's all old and that's part of the beauty of it too is that sometimes going back historically, you're going to get far more fantastical things than anyone can imagine now because the world has changed so much that the actual history of what people believed is crazier than what we can imagine anyone believing. So like necropants, I don't know if y'all have encountered that, but that's a a great (laughs) one. Um, You can find everything probably on like archive.org and stuff like that. Or like um, you can find PDFs of like most everything now which is wild when i was getting into occult stuff it was like asking people and showing up at shops and talking to them one of the ones i don't hear people talk about that much that i really enjoy is uh le petit albert which is like another grimoire that has all sorts of just like straight up like spells and recipes and i will give a heads up a lot of this stuff is like some of it gets a little disturbing some of it gets like crazy sexist misogynistic so absolutely like filtering and being prepared for like you know we're talking about many hundreds of years old texts so uh, when i recommend something i'm not recommending it for ethical value uh, (laughs) yeah there's some issues
0: in some things
1: (laughs) but there's that one is interesting because it has tons of spell components and that's something that you don't always see so like that's an interesting one if you're if you're kind of like wanting to think about spell components um the like occult philosophy by Agrippa is cool too because you get things like how to grow a new flamingo from a flamingo's leg. Um, it's just beautiful. Uh, yeah.
0: So, the I want to the one that you first mentioned is the petite Albert. Yeah. I'm curious about that. Could you give us, could you tell us how to, how is that? That's P E T I T. Yeah, A-L-B-E-R-T for people who are interested in looking for that one specifically. I think that's all about all we have for today. I want to thank you, uh, Max, for coming on again and talking to us. If you could, could you tell the listeners where they can find you online about some of the stuff you have out there where they can check your stuff out? And you have a few things for sale on Ratty and Cantaddy if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Writing today has a few of my things stocked right now. Some of it is out of stock everywhere else too, so that's a good spot to grab stuff. Um, Exalted Funeral usually has stuff. I've got my own shop, MaxMoonGames.com. That's best place to find me. That's probably got links to social media stuff. Yeah, MaxMoonGames.com. That's me.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I want to thank you for coming on and 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 hosting for today. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. No doubt. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Crom. We're on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Roll that look at number 23.